pilgrimage volume one pointed roofs by dorothy richardson chapter six sections seven through twelve this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter six section seven thank you laughed miriam emma's hands were on her muff stroking it eagerly henchen henchen she cooed in her consoling tones to house to house i am so angry hangry hungry oh hungry yes and minna and clara are ready come the child linked arms with her and pulled miriam towards the corridor once out of sight under the gallery she slipped her arm round miriam's waist oh henchen my darling beautiful you have so lovely taint after your bath oh i am so hangry oh henchen i love you so i am so happy kiss me one small small kiss what a baby you are said miriam half turning as the girl's warm lips brushed the angle of her jaw yes we'll go home come along the corridor was almost airless she longed to get out into the open they found minna at a table in the entrance hall her head propped on her hand snoring gently clara sat near her with closed eyes as the little party of four making its way home cleansed and hungry united and happy stood for a moment on a tree-planted island halfway across a wide open space minna with her eager smile said gazing oh i would like a glass beer miriam saw very distinctly the clear sunlight on the boles of the trees showing every ridge and shade of colour as it had done on the peaked summer-house porch in the morning the girls closed in on her during the moment of disgust which postponed her response dear henchen we are alone just we nice four just only one most little small glass just one kind best henchen she heard she pushed her way through the little group pretending to ignore their pleadings and to look for obstacles to their passage to the opposite curb she felt her disgust was absurd and was asking herself why the girls should not have their beer she would like to watch them she knew these little german fraus to be serenely happy at their beer table on this bright afternoon they closed in on her again emma in the gutter in front of her she felt arms and hands and the pleading voices besieged her again emma's upturned tragic face her usually motionless lips a beseeching tunnel her chin and throat moving to her ardent words made miriam laugh it was disgusting no no she said hastily backing away from them to the end of the island of course not come along don't be silly the elder girls gave in emma kept up a little solo of reproach hanging on miriam's arm very strict cold english no beer i want to home i have beer to home until they were inside of the high walls of Wallstrasse. section eight pastor lahmann gave a french lesson the next afternoon sur l'eau si beau this refrain threatening for the third time three or four of the girls led by bertha martin supplied it in a subdued sing-song without waiting for pastor lahmann's slow voice miriam had scarcely attended to his discourse he had begun in flat easy tones describing his visit to geneva the snow-clad mountains the quiet lake the spring flowers his words brought her no vision and her mind wandered half tethered but when he began reading the poem she sank into the rhythm and turned towards him and fixed expectant eyes upon his face his expression disturbed her 
why did he read with that half smile she felt sure that he felt they were young ladies demoiselles jeunes filles she wanted to tell him she was nothing of the kind and take the book from him and show him how to read his eyes soft and brown were the eyes of a child she noticed that the lower portion of his flat white cheeks looked broader than the upper without giving an effect of squareness of jaw then the rhythm took her again and with a second sur l'eau si beau she saw a very blue lake and a little boat with lateen sails and during the third verse began to forget the lifeless voice as the murmured refrain came from the girls there was a slight movement in frulein's sofa corner miriam did not turn her eyes from pastor lahmann's face to look at her but half expected that at the end of the next verse her low clear devout tones would be heard joining in part way through the verse with a startling sweep of draperies against the leather covering of the sofa frulein stood up and towered extraordinarily tall at pastor lahmann's right hand her eyes were wide miriam thought she had never seen anyone look so pale she was speaking very quickly in german pastor lahmann rose and faced her miriam had just grasped the fact that she was taking the french master to task for reading poetry to his pupils and heard pastor lahmann slowly and politely inquire of her whether she or he were conducting the lesson when the two voices broke out together frulein's fiercely voluble and the herr pastor's voluble and mocking and polite the two voices continued as he made his way bowing gravely down the far side of the table to the zal doors here he turned for a moment and his face shone black and white against the dark panelling na kinder groaned frulein gently when he had disappeared a walk a walk in the beautiful sunshine make ready quickly my sainted uncle laughed bertha as they trooped down the basement stairs oh my stars did you see her eyes ja wütend i wonder the poor little man wasn't burnt up hurry up mädchens we'll have a ripping walk we'll see if we can go tiergartenstrasse does this sort of thing happen often asked miriam finding herself bending over a boot-box at gertrude's side gertrude turned and winked at her only sometimes what an awful temper she must have pursued miriam gertrude laughed section nine breakfast the next morning was a gay feast the mood which had seized the girls at the lavishly decked tea-table awaiting them on their return from their momentous walk the day before still held them they all had come in feeling a little apprehensive and frulein behind her tea-urn had met them with the fullest expansion of smiling indulgence miriam had yet seen after tea she had suggested an evening's entertainment and had permitted the english girls to act charades for miriam it was an evening of pure delight at the end of the first charade when the girls were standing at a loss in the dimly lit hall she made a timid suggestion it was enthusiastically welcomed and for the rest of the evening she was allowed to take the lead she found herself making up scene after scene surrounded by eager faces she wondered whether her raised voice as she disposed of proffered suggestions no that wouldn't be clear this is the thing we've got to bring out could be heard by frulein sitting waiting with the germans under the lowered lights in the saal and she felt frulein's eyes on her as she plunged from the hall into the dim schoolroom rapidly arranging effects in the open space in front of the long table which had been turned round and pushed alongside the windows 
towards the end of the evening dreaming alone in the schoolroom near the closed door of the little room whence the scenes were lit she felt herself in a vast space the ceilings and walls seemed to disappear she wanted a big scene something quiet and serious quite different from the fussy little absurdities they had been rushing through all the evening a statue one of the germans you think of something this time she said pushing the group of girls out into the hall ulrica she must manage to bring in ulrica without giving her anything to do just to have her to look at the height of darkened room above her rose to a sky an animated discussion led by bertha martin was going on in the hall they had chosen beehive it would be a catch fräulein was always calling them her bienenkorb and the girls would guess bienenkorb and not discover that they were meant to say the english word the old things can't possibly get it it'll be a lark just for the end said jimmy no miriam announced radiantly they'd hate a cell we'll have romeo well that'll be awfully long four bits altogether if they don't guess from the syllables objected solomon wearily rapidly planning farcical scenes for the syllables she carried her tired troop to a vague appreciation of the final tableau for ulrica shrouding the last syllable beyond recognition she sent a messenger to the audience through the hall door of the saal to beg for ulrica ulrica came serenely wondering her great eyes alight with her evening's enjoyment and was induced by miriam you've only to stand and look down nothing else to mount the schoolroom table in the dimness and standing with her hands on the back of a draped chair to gaze down at romeo's upturned face bertha martin's pale profile with her fair hair drawn back and tied at the nape of her neck and a loose cloak round her shoulders would it was agreed make the best presentation of a youth they could contrive and miriam arranged her turning her upturned face so that the audience would catch its clear outline but at the last minute urged by solomon's disapproval of the scene bertha withdrew miriam put on the cloak lifted its collar to hide her hair and standing with her back to the audience flung up her hands towards ulrica as the gas behind the little schoolroom door was turned slowly up standing motionless gazing at the pale oval face bending gravely towards her from the gloom she felt for a moment the radiance of stars above her and heard the rustle of leaves then the guessing voices broke from the saal ach ach wie schön romeo that is beautiful romeo who is our romeo in fräulein's smiling singing affectionate voice who is romeo the rascal section ten taking the top flight three stairs at a time miriam reached the garret first and began running about the room at a quick trot with her fists closed arms doubled and elbows back the high garret looked wonderfully friendly and warm in the light of her single candle it seemed full of approving voices perhaps one day she would go on the stage eve always said so people always liked her if she let herself go she would let herself go more in future at waldstrasse it was so jolly being at waldstrasse qu'est-ce que vous avez appealed mademoiselle laughing at the door with open face miriam continued her trot mademoiselle put the candle down on the dressing-table and began to run too in little quick dancing steps her wincey skirt bellowing out all round her their shadows bobbed and darted swelling and shrinking on the plaster walls soon breathless mademoiselle sank down on the side of her bed 
panting and volleying raillery and broken tinkles of laughter at miriam standing goose-stepping on the strip of matting with an open umbrella held high over her head recovering breath she began to lament miriam had not during the whole evening of dressing up seen the martin's summer hats they were wonderful shutting her umbrella miriam went to her dressing-table drawer it would be impossible absolutely impossible to imagine hats more beautiful miriam sat on her own bed punctuating through a paper-covered comb mademoiselle persisted non écoutez figurez-vous the hats were of a pale straw the colour of pepper b responded the comb on a short low wheeze and the trimmings oh of a charm that no one could describe beam squeaked comb stalks of barley beam beam of a perfect naturalness and the flowers poppies of a beauty beam beam oh oh vraiment mademoiselle buried her face in her pillow and put her fingers to her ears miriam began playing very softly the march of the men of harlech and got to her feet and went marching gently round the room near the walls sitting up mademoiselle listened presently she rounded her eyes and pointed with one finger to the dim roof of the attic le toit d'aronne auront peu she whispered miriam ceased playing and her eyes went up to the little window frames high in the wall farthest away from the island made by their two little beds and the matting and toilet chests and scarcely visible in the flickering candlelight and came back to mademoiselle's face le toit d'araignée she breathed straining her eyes to their utmost size they gazed at each other le toit mademoiselle's laughter came first they sat holding each other's eyes shaken with laughter until mademoiselle said sighing brokenly et c'est la cloche qui va sonner immédiatement as they undressed she went on talking the night comes the black night we must sleep we must sleep in peace we are safe we are protected nous arrignons du n'est-ce pas miriam was shocked to find her at her elbow in her nightgown speaking very gravely she looked for a moment into the serious eyes challenging her own the mouth was frugally compressed oh yes said miriam stiffly they blew out the candle when the bell sounded and got into bed miriam imagined the martins regular features under their barley and poppy trimmed hats she knew exactly the kind of english hat it would be they were certainly not pretty hats she wondered at mademoiselle's french eyes being so impressed she knew they must be hats with very narrow brims the trimming coming nearly to the edge and solomon's she felt sure inclined to be boat-shaped mademoiselle was talking about translated english books she had read miriam was glad of her thin voice piercing the darkness she did not want to sleep she loved the day that had gone and the one that was coming she saw the room again as it had been when mademoiselle had looked up towards the toit de rayon she had never thought of there being cobwebs up there now she saw them dangling in corners high up near those mysterious windows unnoticed looking down on her and mademoiselle fraulein pfaff's cobwebs they were hers now had been hers through cold dark nights mademoiselle was asking her if she knew a most charming english book la primaire prière de jessica oh yes oh the most beautiful book it would be possible to read an indrawn breath le secret de lady audley yes responded miriam sleepily section eleven after the gay breakfast miriam found herself alone in the schoolroom listening inadvertently to a conversation going on apparently in fraulein pfaff's room beyond the little schoolroom 
the voices were low but she knew neither of them nor could she distinguish words the sound of the voices boxed in filling a little space shut off from the great empty hall made the house seem very still the saal was empty the girls were upstairs at their housework miriam restlessly rising early had done her share before breakfast she took harriet's last letter from her pocket and fumbled the disarranged leaves for the conclusion we are sending you out two blouses don't you think you're lucky miriam glanced out at the young chestnut leaves drooping in tight pleats from black twigs real grand proper blouses the first you've ever had and a skirt to wear them with won't you be within an inch of your life mother got them at griggs one is squash strawberry with a sort of little catherine wheelie design in black going over it but not too much awfully smart and the other is a sort of buffy one zephyr the other cotton and the skirt is a sort of mixy pepper and salt with lumps in the weaving you know how i mean something like our prawn dress is only lighter and much more refined the duffer is going to join the tennis club he was at the pool's dance i was simply flabbergasted he's a duffer the little german garden was disappearing from miriam's eyes it was cruel cruel that she was not going to wear her blouses at home at the tennis club with harriet it was all beginning again after all the spring and tennis and presently boating things were going on the smash had not come why had she not stayed just one more spring how silly and hurried she had been and there at home in the garden lilac was quietly coming out and syringa and gelder roses and may and laburnum and everything and she had run away proud of herself despising them all and had turned herself into miss henderson and no one would ever know who she was perhaps the blouses would make a difference it must be extraordinary to have blouses slommacky untidy and slommacky lilla's mother had called them and perhaps they would not fit her one of the voices rose to a sawing like the shrill whir of wood being cut by machinery a derisive laugh broke into the strange sound it was fräulein pfaff's laughter and was followed by her voice thinner and shriller and higher than the other miriam listened what could be going on both voices were almost screaming together one against the other it was like mad women a door broke open on a shriek miriam bounded to the schoolroom door and opened it in time to see anna lurch shouting and screaming part way down the basement stairs she turned leaning with her back against the wall her eyes half closed sawing with fists in the direction of frulein who stood laughing in her doorway after one glance miriam recoiled they had not seen her ja screamed frulein sie können ihre paar groschen haben ihre paar groschen ihre paar groschen and then the two voices shrieked incoherently together until frulein's door slammed to and anna's voice shouting and swearing died away towards the basement section twelve miriam had crept back to the schoolroom window she stood shivering trying to forget the taunting words and the cruel laughter you can have your halfpence poor anna her poor wages her bony face gertrude looked in i say henderson come on down and help me pack up lunch we're all going to hodenheim for the day the whole family come on for the day the day ja lily's restless miriam stood looking at her laughing face and listening to her hoarse whispering voice gertrude turned and went downstairs miriam followed her cold and sick and shivering and presently glad to be her assistant as she bustled about the empty kitchen 
upstairs the other girls were getting ready for the outing end of chapter six section twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine